Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. Let's clap for them one more time as they take a seat. Awesome. Not the right place. There we go. Hey, how many have enjoyed our series in Romans? Yeah. Yes. And one of our favorite things, by the way, today I get to preach with my lovely wife, Pastor Myel. It's going to be fun today. That's right. And we're going to have a great time. But I want to invite, we've been, one of the things you've like have seen is that we have a different couple reading scripture all the way through. Isn't that been good just to hear God's word all the way through? And so um, uh, the couple that we have picked already to come up is Jason and Angie Mitchell. Would you welcome them as they come up? And they're going to read, go grab your mic, and uh, they're going to read Romans chapter 4. Would you stand with us as we uh, give, if you're able to, if you're not able to, that's okay. Come on up, guys. Yes. So glad you're here. Come on, move this out of your way. Yeah, yeah, come on. Good, good to see you, Angie. Romans 4. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God creates righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to him, to them. And he is then also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised." It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless. Because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, Mm -hmm. not only to those who are the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not. Mm -hmm. Against all hope, in hope believed, Abraham in hope believed, excuse me, 
and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Before you sit, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your light through Christ that shines into the darkness. And now we pray your Holy Spirit would illuminate your word. May it pierce our hearts, change our thoughts, which in turn changes our behavior, Mm -hmm. that will present hope to this world that is full of darkness and hopelessness. Yes, Jesus. But we have come today to encounter you so that we can take your light into the darkest places of the world. Mm -hmm. I pray that you would fill us with courage, with strength, and with hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. God's word is powerful, isn't it? That's right. Amazing. I want to ask a question as we get started this morning. How many of you here would say that you have ever tried to give a gift that you thought was going to be a home run (laughs) and it turned out not to be a home run? (laughs) All the men in the house. Anybody else with me on this right here? I'll just say I have, (laughs) and I have a story for you. It was coming about Christmas time, and we were getting ready to give gifts, and Mael had just successfully done an incredible women's conference, and they had done some photo shoot things, and it was a beautiful conference, and it looked great, and so I decided to get her a picture from this photo of this conference Um, a large blown up picture of herself. And so I bought this picture. I mean, I blew it. It was massive. And she looked beautiful. And so I I brought it in the back room and I'm wrapping it. And Titus happened to walk in as I'm wrapping this gift. And he said, Dad, who's that for? Who's that for? And I said, oh, it's for mom. And he goes out running into the living room and he says, mom, mom, dad got you a huge gift. Yes. And so I come out and I'm like, yeah, it's a huge gift. You're going to love yes. it. I'm all excited. It's going to be a big gift. And what yes. you were thinking. Yes, I had a lot of different things I was thinking about when you said, when they said big gift. Said so big gift. my expectation was like really high. Really high. Really high. Yes. Really high. So, so Christmas morning comes. It comes. And I give her, and and I I am so excited, right? He was so excited. And I I give her this gift. And uh, you were so proud. I was so proud. I like, I am going to be husband of Christmas. I'm Uh going to anoint myself husband of Christmas or something great, right? Uh So I I hand her this gift, and you know what? (laughs) There were tears. (laughs) Not tears of joy. No. 
different tears than we all, gentlemen, we know when those are not going well. And so I knew that in that moment that we were going shopping the next day. <laughs> and we went jewelry shopping. That's right. But That's we right. all have these moments, right, where we are sure you were sure that we have it dialed in. And I thought I had the greatest Christmas gift ever. I was going to be husband of Christmas. <laughs> it didn't you were happen. still husband of Christmas. You took me shopping the next day. day made up for go. it. And even though it didn't count as the best Christmas gift I've ever gotten, That's true. Uh, it did count as the most memorable. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We will never forget. It was the most memorable. Yes. You know, when I opened that gift, I thought, that is not at all what I was wanting or expecting was a massive <laughs> picture of my face. Like, that was not what I was thinking. Even as we were preparing, we were trying to figure out, what, what were you thinking? You know, this is where men, we just bow out and just shake our head. <laughs> But you know what? It was very thoughtful, and I know it took a lot of effort, so thank you for the oh, picture. Oh, you're so welcome. Yes, thank you. I don't think I've ever really said thank you, so thank you for the picture. <laughs> I just cried. <laughs> well, we have all had moments in our life where we have done something, planned something, bought something, prepared for something that we thought was going to be a big deal, that we thought was going to count, only to find out that it really didn't. Anybody else in here been there, done that? Oh man, you were like relating to this. Yes. Well, we all have been there. I have been there. Mm -hmm. And in Ephesians, or in Romans, we're not in Ephesians, we're in Romans. Mm -hmm. Romans chapter four, mm -hmm. Paul is addressing this topic of what really counts. Yeah. He's talking about what really counts when it comes to justification, when it comes to righteousness. Mm -hmm. Justification is a big word that you talked about last week. Yeah. Justified, meaning that I am made right, that I have, my sins have been cleansed, yep. and I have been justified before the Father. And righteousness is being made right before God. Mm -hmm. It's because of Jesus that we are made right with God. And in this chapter, Paul is addressing what really counts. Yeah. What is it that really counts? What counts towards righteousness? Mm -hmm. What counts towards being a righteous man or a righteous woman? And we were reading some studies, and this was honestly uh, shocking to me, but there was a study done that shows that 72% of Americans, so that's about 10, 7 out of 10 people believe that if you are a good person, then you'll go to heaven. That's the standard, that if you just do good things, then you will make it to heaven. 72%, that's extremely high. And what Paul is addressing here is he's saying in Romans 4 that it's not your good works that make you righteous. Yes. It's not your good works that make you right before God. It's not your good works that get you saved. He's addressing this whole aspect of what is it? What counts towards righteousness? Mm -hmm. And he uses this really big word that I can't say. <laughs> How do you say it? Domai. Logos domai. Say that, everybody. Logos, Logos domai. domai. Yes. That's a hard word. And it means credited. Yes, credited or to count as. And as you read through Romans 4, and I encourage you to go back again, he says it over and over. Credited, counted as, righteous. Logos domai. Why is that, why is that so important? Because if you're like me, I never want to repeat the same mistakes again. I've never gotten another blown up picture of my never face. Never again will we do something <laughs> like that again. But we want our faith, our life, we want things to count. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, this is what counts. 
This is what it is. And look at verse 5, Romans 4, verse 5. He says, however, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited, logos domai, credited as righteousness. Mm -hmm. Did, Did you catch that? Just before it says their faith, did you realize what it said? It says God who justifies the ungodly. Yeah. For those of us who like... Um, have messed up once in their lives. By the way, that, that counts us as ungodly mm-hmm. when we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. That's really good news and exciting when we apply that to ourselves. But how about when somebody's been mean or sinned against you? Yeah. How about when you see the wicked or the ungodly in our culture and to know that if that person repents and has faith in God, he then, Logazuma, he credits that as righteousness. They're in right standing with God. It kind of applies a little different, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It hits us differently. We like it for us, but not so much for the other people. In other words, we love grace for ourselves, but what about other people that haven't earned it? We like mercy for ourselves, but what about the other ones that haven't earned it? And what we have to recognize, we already talked about this in Romans 3, for all have sinned yeah. and fallen short right. of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think it's just so important that we talk about these theological terms because what can happen is if we don't understand what really counts, we'll end up in the wrong place. That's right. And what Martin Luther called passive righteousness and what theologians term imputed mm-hmm. righteousness, mm-hmm. it's where God put righteousness on us mm-hmm. based on faith, not by what you've done. Right. Yes. Imputed righteousness. That is a really big theological term, Mm -hmm. but let's just break it down for just a moment. moment. Imputed righteousness basically means that I bring my sin to Jesus and he cleanses me and in return he gives me righteousness. So he puts his righteousness on me. He put his righteousness on me. He put his righteousness on Pastor Nate. (laughs) He puts his righteousness on you, which means that you are now seen as righteous. Yeah. How amazing is that? How good is that? It's okay to get excited we about that. We should be that. celebrating that. And it has nothing to do with what I do. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with having this trust, this saving faith that we talk about. Yeah. That faith in our salvation does not come from anything you can do, anything I can do. It comes from having trust that God is able and yeah. that in him, he saves us regardless of our effort. That's how good God is. And if you've served Jesus for decades, what a beautiful reminder of the grace that we've been extended, that we now have are considered righteous. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I have good news for you that he can take what, what the brokenness that you feel like your life is in and he can make you whole. He will make you in right standing with the father, Right. right standing with the father. Now, all this, as we're talking about this, in no way are we trying to push that we should not do good things, but it's the mindset of how we do it. I love what Pastor Robert Morris says. He says this, we don't serve to become sons, and I'm going to add daughters. We don't serve to become sons or daughters. We serve because we are sons and daughters. Yes. There's a shift in perspective there. We don't serve, we don't do good things in order to earn our way to heaven, in order to earn the the status of righteousness. No, we do good because 
he has extended his grace to us because we are already called sons and daughters. That's right. Yeah, that's so good. And Paul, in this passage, he uses two different heroes of the faith to demonstrate this. He uses Abraham. Many of you know the song, Father Abraham had many sons. <laughs> that song? That's Father Abraham. Yeah, some of you are dancing. You know, the, you know the motions. Father Abraham. That's what a lot of us call him. That's his nickname. But Abraham was the father of many nations. And at 100 years old, God blessed him with his first child with his wife, Sarah. And she was 90. He believed God, and it was credited to him as what? As righteousness. And then David, King David. King David, I love reading about King David. He was a mighty warrior. He was a man after God's own heart. He sinned. He repented of his sin. And I love what David says. He says this, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Come on. That is imputed righteousness yes. right there. So what, what is all this saying? What's the, what's the main thought from this? The main thought from, the, from, this, from all of this is this, that by faith in Christ, we are counted righteous. Yeah, come on. By faith in Christ, we are counted righteous. Absolutely. So if you're a person who is here who says, I have put my faith in Christ, I am counted as righteous. If that's you in this room, there should be something different about you. Yeah. Okay, some of us. There should be something different about us. That's right. Something completely different. And today, that's what we want to talk about. When you have given your life, your faith, your trust in Jesus, things change. Mm -hmm. The first thing that should change in your life is you should move from hopeless to hope filled. That's right. Mm-hmm. You get hope. Yes. I love what Romans 4, 18 says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you about a woman named Cornelia. And around 1944 and prior to that, she lived in Germany. And she was one, and her family tried to save as many Jews as they could because the Nazis were killing them and taking them to concentration camps. Their family was caught and she was hauled off as well. And during this time, she saw horrible things happen. And one, one day while she was in there with all hope being lost, she continued to hope. Yeah. She continued to pray. She continued to trust God. And even in the face of watching her sister die right before her eyes, just before she passed away, her sister said to her, There is no pit so deep that he, being God, is not deeper still. Amen. Their Mm -hmm. faith in God is so great, so strong, that even in the face of death, they're still saying, my God is greater. Yes. My God is bigger. Because I'm justified. I don't have to be afraid of what happens in this life. That's right. And just 12 days later, after her sister died, she was released from prison on a clerical error. Hmm. And she found out later that all the women in her age group that lived in her house were sent to the gas chamber and were killed. Hmm. I gave you her, her original name, Cornelia Ornalda Johanna. You may know her and read the book, The Hiding Place. Her name was Corey Tinboom. Yeah. And one of my most favorite quotes that she has is, never be afraid to trust in an unknown future to an unknown God. To a known God. Amen. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. That's good. 
How do you have hope when you look at the stock market and it doesn't look right? How do you have hope when your relationships are struggling? How do you have hope when you go to different places in our city and you don't see things that look hopeful? You turn your eyes back on Jesus and you say, I have a God that can turn any situation around. Yeah. I have a God that's already saved me. He's done the greatest miracle he could ever do in my life. Yeah. Nothing's too difficult for him. Abraham did not know how he would become the father of many nations, mm -hmm. but he knew God. Yeah. David did not know how his lineage of being a king would last, but he knew God. Mm -hmm. Paul, who's writing this, did not know how he would live. As he's writing these words, he may die. He's in prison, but he had relationship with a known God. Yeah. You and I can have hope today because we have a known God. That's right. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're listening to me, you have been, in, you have been sent by God to present hope all over the city. Yeah. Last week, I talked about trying to write my sermon at Starbucks, and people kept interrupting me, right? Remember that story? Well, right after church, and we kind of talked about being sent out and praying, and so I asked God, do it again in my life. Mm -hmm. That afternoon, I'm at the grocery store picking up a few things. I come out to my car, and there's a man kind of walking up and down, and he sees me, and he says, hey, um, I can't find my car keys. I need to go back to my house and get my other set. Uh, could you give me a ride? <laughs> Holy Spirit, what are you trying to do here? <laughs> and so I'm looking at him, and I'll be completely honest with you. I look at him, and I thought, well, if he attacks me, I think I could take him. That's literally what I thought. I'm like, I think I got this one. I think I can do it. So I say, sure, come on in. So he gets in my car, and we start driving. And uh, I say, hey, what do you do for work? And he says, oh, I'm a pipe fitter union, but I just got laid off. Um, and I said, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. And he said, what do you do? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm a pastor. And, I, and he goes, really, what church? And I said, oh, Portland Christian Center. And he goes, oh, I, I used to go to Beaverton Foursquare. I said, oh, that's great. Yeah, great, <laughs> Beaverton Foursquare. And I go, well, when was the last time you've been there? Oh, about eight years. His wife left him. Hasn't been in church. His kids are in Idaho. And he said, I'm going to Idaho to uh, help them get their house ready because they just bought a house. And I said, well, I believe God sent me here to pray for you. Mm -hmm. And he just starts weeping in my mm -hmm. car. Mm -hmm. We get to his house. As soon as we pull in the driveway, he gets a call. And it's the grocery store. Hey, sir, we have your keys. <laughs> And we get back in the car, we start driving back, and you know what he says to me? He goes, I'm sorry I wasted your time. And I immediately felt the Holy Spirit say, no, you didn't. This was our moment, our divine mm -hmm. moment for me to pray for you. Right. And I That's hand right. him a car that said, come to Portland Christian Center. Yes. And I invited him to church. Yeah. And I know where he lives. <laughs> so I'll be driving back and forth. Why do I tell all of that to you? Because I'm believing God has those stories yes. for you. Amen. For all of us, because that's who we're supposed to be. Right. We are to be presenting hope. Why did I do that? Mm -hmm. Because I want to be justified and go to heaven someday? No. Yeah. That's already taken care of. That's right. I, by faith in Christ, I'm counted righteous because of that. Mm -hmm. But because of what he's done, I have hope. Amen. And that changes 
everything it in my changes life. changes everything. Mm-hmm. And it, we have a different kind of hope. We have Absolutely. a confident hope yep. that regardless of what's going on around us, we have hope. Yes, we do. Because we have Jesus. And it reminded me of a... Real quick, just uh, one of the gals in our youth ministry, I remember she, we went out to coffee and her dad and her mom had just split up and she was really hurting and she looked at me and she said, do you think there's any hope for me? And I looked at her and with just all the confidence, I said, as long as you have Jesus, there is always hope for you. There is always hope for yeah. you. If you know Jesus, and if you don't, I'll point him to you. I'll point mm-hmm. you to him, that there is hope because of Jesus. It's our hope that sets us apart because we have a confident hope in Jesus. The other thing that when you are counted righteous that we have, it's, it's a faith. Yeah. Now I would say this is a strengthened faith, a bold faith, mm-hmm. not in our ability, not in ourselves, but in who God is. It's yeah. the kind of faith that can look at an impossible situation and know, you know what? There is no sense. This makes no sense, but I know my God is able. He is greater than what I am facing. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of faith that when we see a mountain, we can speak to the mountain in faith knowing that God is able to make the mountains in our life plains. And I love what it says about Abraham in Romans 4, 19 through 21. It says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. This is a sad moment. Some of you are facing situations or facts in your life that could cause you to lose hope. But I'm here to remind you today that God is able. Yet, he, Abraham, did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. But he was strengthened. Everybody say strengthened. Strengthened. He was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Mm-hmm. My question to you today here in the room and online, are you fully persuaded? Are you fully persuaded that God has the power to keep his promises? Are you fully persuaded that God is able to come through in an impossible situation and make the impossible possible? Are you fully persuaded? Because it takes the faith It takes faith in the moments of desperation. It takes faith in the moments where it just seems impossible to say, you know what? I will not waver. I will not waver because I believe that my God is able. This passage reminds me of three men in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm -hmm. I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Many of you are familiar with it, but if not, I'll just catch you up to speed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the king's court, King Nebuchadnezzar's court. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he he got full of himself. So he decided to build himself a statue of himself and make everyone worship it. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they worshiped Yahweh. They worshiped God. And so they said to Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow. And here's what they say in Daniel 3, 16 through 18. It says this, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. We live in a culture where there are things that are asking us to bow down. 
There are different idols that pop up in our culture today. And you know what God is calling us to? To have the faith to say, I will not bow to anybody but the Lord my God. He is God. He is able. And if you continue to read in Daniel, it says that they were thrown into the furnace. And as the king and his soldiers looked, they said, look, it appears there's a fourth one. And he looks like the son of man. Some of you need to be reminded of this today, that Jesus is walking with you through the fires that you face. You are not alone. And when you stand boldly in faith saying, God, I know you're able, do you know what happens? Jesus is with you. He's with you in the fire. And you will get out unharmed, unmarked. They were unmarked by the fire. Why? Because Jesus was with them. So we don't have to be afraid, friends. We don't have to be afraid of what's happening in our world. Why? Because our faith is in the one true God who is able, who is more than able, who is with you in the valleys and on the mountaintops. And you know, faith has a language. We learn this when we read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It sounds like this. I know he can. Say it with me. I know he can. I know he will. And even if he doesn't, I put my faith in him. We can have a confident, bold faith because of who God is. When we rely on the truth that his promises, he will, he will come through on all of his promises. Are you fully persuaded today? Yeah. Come Are you on. fully persuaded? Come on. Absolutely. Yes. Praise God. Mm-hmm. So when you're counted righteous by faith in Christ, you have hope, you have faith that's strengthened, and the last thing that we want you to write down this morning and to remember is that you have something to testify about. That's right. You have a testimony. Yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a testimony. You have a testimony. And you can say back to him, I know, I'm sitting right by you. Revelation 12:11 says and they overcame him being Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death. Mm-hmm. We have a story to tell it overcomes the enemy and it gives other people courage. That's right. Romans 4:23 and 24 says the words it was credited to him were not written for him alone but also for us, mm-hmm. for us, to whom God will, God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who have raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. I love that passage because Paul just flips the script and he says, it's not just something to study about. It's not just something to think about that's past or all over history. It's for you today, this morning on June 11th, 2023. He was th- God was thinking about you as you're sitting in these seats or online listening to this. Right. This is for you as well. Jesus illustrates this so beautifully in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. Yeah. I'm sure we've heard of that story. If you haven't, I want to catch you up really quickly. It's a story about a father who has two boys, and one of them, the younger one, says, give me my inheritance early. He goes, takes his inheritance, spends it all in wild living, ends up with pigs laying on the ground, eating the pig's food. He comes to his senses, it says, and he says, my, son, my, my, my father's slaves have it better than me. Hmm. 
The servants have it better than me. Maybe I could go back and be a servant in my father's house. So he writes, gets this whole story in his head. He goes back to the father and he says, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Thinking the dad's going to make him a slave, the dad quickly responds with this. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. What is he doing? He's declaring him righteous. That's right. He's declaring him, you're my son. He puts on a new garment and clothing. Clothing in scripture is so important. Mm -hmm. Abraham and David testify to the power of God's love to clothe the unrighteous with righteousness. Yes. Clothes matter, don't they? Clothes matter. And you know what? I love this concept because I love clothes. I really do love clothes. Anybody else in here love clothes? It's okay. Can I get an amen? Yes, I, I am grateful for the creativity. Yes. You know, clothes, when you wear clothes, it, it really represents part of your personality, Yeah. right? It, your clothes can represent who you belong to, who you identify with, what you believe, things you're passionate about. Yeah. Like when I was at Disneyland, I had a big Mickey Mouse sweatshirt that I wore everywhere because I was just so excited. It had sparkles on it. I loved it. But clothes matter, and they, I, they're an identifier. Yeah. And uh, we were looking at pictures of us growing up, just looking at the, the differences <laughs> growing up. We wanted to just give you a little highlight of uh, just the different personalities. So we have two pictures. Yes, right. okay. Hammer pants. So. Come on, anybody else? Hammer time. Anybody else with me? Let's go. The 80s were tough on us. We'll just say that. <laughs> so Nate, obviously, he likes his hammer pants and he's got pop. What is that? Diet? I'm sure it's, a, it's not diet. Oh. I guarantee you that. It's got sugar. It's got sugar. Sure. Okay. Ro root beer, I'm sure. And then that was me as a little girl. So, you know, I, I have always loved to get dressed up, even as always. a little girl. And that was actually the first ball that I ever went to. And I'm just going to say this because you guys are family. Uh, my mom got me dressed up and took me to this ball. And she made me give um, a boy a little kiss on the lips so that I'd get chicken pox. That was this day. <laughs> Love you, mom. <laughs> But I looked so cute. I yes, looked so you cute. did. But, you know, we also have been involved in sports. And when you play sports, you have different outfits that identify what team you're on. And there's different clothing that's appropriate for different sports. So if you look at the next picture, okay, the picture on the right, that's Nate. He's on the cover of a hair. magazine. I had hair. Let's go. That was 2000. Come on. Give it up for Nate. That's yeah, pretty no, impressive. That's so that's what's funny is state, that was a, right? what's that? That's when you won state, right? That was a state championship at the Tacoma Dome. We won that one against Tootle Lake. That's TL. But what's funny is that was a book. Someone found a cover of a book. Somebody had taken my picture and not gotten permission. <laughs> anyway, I said it was okay. Are you mad was, about I'm it? I'm okay. I'm okay with it. But you anyway, it's pretty funny. It worked out. But then this is my L and she used to show horses. Yes. And that was your horse. That was, was horse my horse, Yuma. And you Yuma. see he's got a blue eye and he had a brown eye. Let's Anyways, give it up for my L and the horse. He, Come on. But it would not work for me to go to a horseback riding competition in a basketball outfit. No. That and would it, be very uncomfortable. No. And it would right? not work for me, period, to go ride a horse. I tried. <laughs> Let's just say that. But you see, clothes, identif they identify. Absolutely. And spiritually speaking, yep. there's an identification yes, that happens. And I love this passage because, mm -hmm. listen to this, in, in Zechariah, it talks about Joshua coming before God. And in heaven is Satan, the accuser, and God and Joshua. And Satan is accusing Joshua. And you know what God says? 
he rebukes Satan and he says, Joshua, look, I'm going to take your filthy rags and I'm going to give you new garments. Come on. Rich garments. And what I love about this is it's something, the robe of righteousness, I love that visual because it's not something we earn. It's not something you can buy. It's something that is given to you by Jesus. He puts it on you and he takes our filthy rags of sin and brokenness and shame and he removes it and he restores it, us, with the robe of righteousness. And in Isaiah, it says this, Isaiah 61.10, it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Come on. This is powerful. When you ask Jesus into your heart, he takes the filthy rags of sin and shame and he replaces it with the robe of his righteousness. And as we were preparing for this, I found this really cool jacket that uh, has Psalms 23 on it. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I know for some of you are like, that is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. This, I like this, I think it's cool. But if I can get it on. But you know what I love about this? If I were to go anywhere, anywhere, I'd stand out, right? (laughs) Some of you are like, yeah. (laughs) I'd stand out. No, I I really would wear this, but it stands out. Why? Because of the writing on it. And you know what it says? It's a message of hope in the promises of God in Psalms 23. Did you know that this is what the robe of righteousness looks like on you? That you are marked by Jesus. So anywhere you go, the enemy knows he doesn't have any dominion over you. The accuser who continues to try and speak shame over you has no authority over you. And you know what Jesus says? He looks at you and he says, I will take the filthy rags. I will take that shame off of you. And here's my robe of righteousness. Yeah. So you are marked. You are set apart. And uh, Nate liked it so much. He well, decided, here's what I was going to say. I saw this coat and I thought, wow, I want one. <laughs> he thinks it's cool. So I got a little more manly one. But here, here's why I say that. When you're marked with the presence of God, people are going to see something different about you. That's right. And they're going to want what you have. That's right. Just this, this last week, I was at Titus' school at Metzger with Tate, walking them in, and a parent came up to me. No idea where they are. They said, you're, you're boys. I asked, um, what was your favorite book? And you know what Titus said? The Bible. And he said, you know what? I noticed something's different about you guys. What is it? I said, we love Jesus. And he goes, I knew you had the Holy Spirit in you. Just like that. I handed out another card. Isn't that awesome? It's because we are marked, right? We are clothed with righteousness. That's right. And as we were preparing, you know, I really like this jacket and would love to keep it. But I felt like the Lord said I need to give it away. And I need to give it away as a reminder. Yeah. I need it as a reminder for some of you in here. Now, I can't give everyone one, one, and I would if I could. But um, as I prayed about it, Luba, will you come up here, Luba? Yeah. Luba's my friend. And Luba, give it up for Luba. Come on. Amen. She doesn't know that I'm doing this. But, you know, Luba, Luba's a warrior, and she's been through a lot this year, and the enemy's tried to mess with you. Yeah. But you're an overcomer. And I felt like this was just, first of all, I know you like it. You, you wear this. So. But also, this is a reminder that you are clothed in righteousness. 
that the shame that the enemy like has no authority over you, that you are, this is who you are. You are clothed in righteousness. Amen. And I love you. I'm for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Amen. And for my jacket, Harrison, God sees you, my man. Mm-hmm. Come on, put it on. It'll fit you, I'm sure. I don't know. Yes. And the Lord wants me to remind you, you're clothed in righteousness. God's with you. Amen. Amen. We love you. Yes. And I have, sorry, this bag belongs to my own. Not for anybody else. It's a cool bag. It is a very cool bag. These are t-shirts that represent the Lord is my shepherd. And the first one I want to give to Gavin, God sees you, man. Mm-hmm. God sees you. And the next one, Terry Bitework, will you stand, please? This is for you. You got for Terry? I love you. Amen. These are simply reminders for every person that wears these shirts. Yeah. And for all of us who see them, you are clothed with righteousness. Amen. You are credited righteous by faith. In Christ, that's right. And as we end today, I just want to give a moment. If you're here and maybe you're listening online and, you know, you'd say, I'm, I'm not right with the Lord. I, I don't have the robe of righteousness. I, I have the filthy rights. And I want to be made right before Jesus today. If that's you, with just every head bowed, eyes closed, except for some of our pastors, I'm going to ask our pastors to help make sure we make connection with different people. But if that's you today, and you want to ask Jesus into your heart. You want to be made right with the Father. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand? We're going to believe in faith. We're going to pray that prayer of faith. I see that hand. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. You want to be made right with Jesus. Just lift your hand up. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. That Jesus will take the filthy rags. Keep your hand up. Yep. I see two hands over there. Three hands over there. I see one hand over there. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just all, right here, right here, I see about seven hands. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I see about seven hands. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. And if that's you, you've raised your hand. I just want you to put your hands out like this to the Lord. And everybody, just repeat this prayer after me. Jesus. Jesus. Here's the filthy rags, my sin. Would you cleanse me? Cleanse me. And make me new. Jesus, I put my faith in you. I say yes to you. Be my Lord and Savior. Clothe me in the robe of righteousness. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, we just, we are so excited. Yeah. Would you stand to your feet with me? Yeah. Everyone go ahead and stand. And I just want to make this comment. If you raised your hand, I want you to come find Pastor Nate and I after service because we want to talk to you. Yep. If you raised your hand, come find us afterwards. We want to talk to you. That's the best decision you'll ever make. Yes. And you know what I love about that is that God is faithful that he removes all the shame. Yeah. So if you're in here and you've been struggling with shame, just like you've, you've asked for forgiveness, you believe that God is able, but you've just been the accuser, like that picture, the accuser's been accusing you and reminding you of all the bad things you've done. 
I want to remind you today that you have been clothed with righteousness. Mm-hmm. And I just want to break off shame. So if you're here and you need the Lord to break off shame, would you just lift your hand up? Just boldly lift your hand up because I'm going to pray over you. I see shame. If you've been struggling with shame, yep, there's hands all over the place. Yes. And I'm just going to pray a prayer of faith and believe that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Right? So the accuser no longer has authority to speak anything over you. Why? Because you have been clothed with righteousness. So God, I thank you that you see every hand that is raised here. God, I thank you for every person who's put their faith in you. But the accuser has come and has been whispering lies, accusing them, bringing shame. We come against that shame in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus, that you have declared them righteous. You have declared them right before you. You have taken their filthy rags and they are clothed in righteousness. So Lord, I pray that today would be a defining moment where they understand the authority and the power they have to tell the enemy to be silent in the mighty name of Jesus, that shame no longer has a grip on their mind, on their life. In the mighty name of Jesus, would you break off shame today, Father, in your mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, baby. If you could grab your, while you're standing, grab your communion. We're going to have a time to take communion together. If you didn't get one, by the way, would you just raise your hand really high and an usher will get you a communion. Really high, they can't really see you because you're standing really high, really high, really high. There we go. By the way, if you did receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we're so excited. Please don't don't miss the moment to talk to us. We want to make sure you get the next step because we believe that you come to Christ, you get baptized. That's right. And then there's a discipleship journey that we're all on called sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Such a cool thing to see happening. If you could grab, make sure you flip it the right way. <laughs> Grape juice down. <laughs> Grape juice down. Yes. And Mael's going to pray for the bread for us, for the body. Do we have, oh, make sure everyone yes. serves. Sorry, I'm going a little too fast. Everyone serve, making sure. All right. During the Last Supper, Jesus, with his disciples, he took the bread and he said, this is my body. Break this. Do this in remembrance of me. And when we do this, we, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. We remember what he did so that we could be clothed with righteousness. So today, Jesus, we thank you for your body that was beaten, that was bruised for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you took the punishment of our sins upon you. And by your wounds, we are healed. So we thank you, Jesus. And today, as we take communion, we remember the power of the sacrifice that you made. Let's take together. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, Father, we thank you for the new covenant. It says in your word that after supper, you took the cup. And you passed it around and you said, this is the new covenant that represents direct access through the Father through me. Jesus paid the once and final sacrifice for our sins. You imputed righteousness upon us. Mm -hmm. By faith, we are saved. Mm -hmm. From first to last, it's because of you, Jesus. So I pray, Lord, as we receive communion today, that we would take, eat of this, partake of you. Thank you, May your very presence dwell inside us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com. Thank you.